So Hannah, I would say that we aren't exactly what you would call morning people. I'm definitely not. I essentially try to spend as little time as I can in the morning so I can sleep in as late as physically possible. But for some reason, just with the way we were scheduling, we have happened to do a few early morning recordings that mean that I can't be as funny because I don't feel as, like, mentally sharp. Definitely both of us excel in later afternoon to late night recordings. Yeah. I know you can't see, but these are the eyes of someone who has just woken up. And who is not used to waking up at this time. Yeah. I normally am not up for another couple of hours. Yeah, see, I work a job where I start at 8 a.m., but, like, it's rough. I thrive on coffee. My life is just, I have to have coffee. I have an addiction now to caffeine. Not as bad as mom's. Our mom will drink three to four cups of coffee a day. Our mom is obsessed with coffee, um, which I love because I love getting good coffee when I go home. But I went home, I had a coffee, and she was like, oh, do you want me to make you, like, a pour-over or, like, a French press or something? And I was like, sure, okay, like, uh, I could do two cups today. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is my fourth cup. I'm like, what? It's like, it's like 11 a.m. What do you mean this is your fourth cup of coffee? She usually wakes up about 6 a.m. to go to work. And by the time she leaves the house at, like, 7.30, she's already drinking two cups of coffee. Yeah. Uh, and then usually she'll have, like, another one, like, either right when she gets to work or, like, on the way to work. Yeah. But, yeah, she's so casual about the fact that she's had, like, four cups, which, I will say, the past, like, three weeks I've been pretty sleep-deprived because of school and work, and I've found myself some days drinking, like, three cups of coffee. I don't know how she does it. I, it makes you feel incredibly jittery. I'm, like, shaky all day when I drink three cups. And then, like, some days if I don't eat enough food, like, my stomach is just burning all day. Yeah. <laughs> I drank a lot of coffee on Thursday. I was outside and it was kind of rainy and cold, so I had some coffee. And then I had a third coffee at, like, 2.30, which was a mistake. I don't drink coffee after around noonish because then I don't sleep. Well, what happened is I did sleep. But I think I had so much acid in my stomach that I woke up at, like, 1.30 with just, like, intense stomach pain. Like, burning pain. And I was just rolling around, like, ah, ah, my stomach. <laughs> I was like, I need Tums. So I think I had heartburn or acid reflux, probably from the amount of coffee and acidity that I consumed. That's my biggest problem with drinking too much coffee is, like, the acid just, you know. That's why I always have coffee with food. Kind of neutralize. I don't drink it until I've eaten breakfast. Yeah, I've tried, but I'm not a big breakfast person, as you know. And so some days I just like will drink a cup of coffee before I even leave for work. And then, then like on my way to work, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> should have had some food because my stomach is literally burning. Yeah. See, for me, it's that if I don't eat food, then I feel very shaky and like too much energy, like too much going on. Like my heart rate's going to increase until I die. You know, some heart palpitations. But we're here. It's uh, 9.43 in the morning and uh, we're going to record. We're ready.
ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ready to Dumbo! I know we already did this before with the, the mascots, but it was literally in the Dumbo movie, so it had to be done. Welcome. This is Research Rank Repeat. This is co-host Hannah. This is co-host Alyssa. And we are doing a a new series, kind of. Yeah. We mentioned at the end of last week's episode that we were doing something a little bit different. Alyssa appropriately is drinking out of her Beauty and the Beast chip mug that I, I got am. for her. It seemed appropriate to, uh, you know, give Disney more money than they already have. But I didn't buy this. Hannah bought it, so. I also bought it years ago. <laughs> Disney has decided to capitalize in every single way they can. They need as much money as physically possible. Right. And one of the ways they found to do this is to start recreating all of their original animated films as live action films. Except the ones that make sense, because they still will not give us a goddamn Atlantis live action movie. And that is the movie that most makes sense as a live action movie. And it blows my mind. Just give us an Atlantis live action. Treasure Planet? It'd be great. Okay, um, I think we should just approach the subject that Disney has problems. We don't fully support Disney on a lot of the things that they do or things that they support. I refuse to watch the live-action Mulan out of principle because of the issues going on with um, China at the time. And also, I've refused to watch a lot of the live-action movies out of the principle that I don't want to give Disney money. But if we approach this in the sense that we are doing research that I see it fine to criticize them and to watch them. We've always approached these topics with the fact that we don't go in with bias or we try not to go in with bias. <laughs> try not to. It does happen. But regardless of how we feel about like a company or about like production or like a director, you know, we've had issues with like Pixar in the past with like directors. We try to just go into it going as like we're trying to watch this and just look at the movie, look at, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously Disney has issues. I mean, obviously a lot of big corporations have issues. So basically what we're doing. Right. We should probably explain what we're doing. We had this idea to rank the live action Disney movies. We've had it for a while. We've also had the idea to rank Disney animated movies for a while. Yes. But the category is so vast. Like there are 50 animated Disney movies, and I think there's probably close to 20 live action at this point. Yeah, maybe 10 to 15 right now, but with plans of another four or five. So I guess the way we've decided to sort of start Disney animated and, and work into the live action is to pair up the movies that have an animated and a live action right now, and some have kind of multiple movies. We'll get to those when we have them, but... We're just going to start with two of the animated movies and two of the live actions. Yeah, so the way we decided to separate these out is to go in order of the animated movies release. We are starting with the earliest animated movie that has a live action adaptation. And so the two movies that we are doing are Dumbo and Cinderella. So what we've done is we've watched both the animated Dumbo and Cinderella, and then watch the live action to compare, to contrast. We are keeping the ranking separate, however. So we are ranking if we thought 
the animated or the live action was better, but in an actual ranking list, we're just going to rank animated and live action separately. And this is a series that we are going to continue like throughout time, just doing like a block of two or three movies at a time. And we will collectively add to our lists as we go, like we do with Pixar and like our other movie franchises. We kind of talked about the ranking, how it should be. And we both agreed that doing the live action animated as one ranking would be too, it probably (laughs) would end up with a lot of the live action just being at the bottom of the list, quite frankly. And so I think it's just better to do them separately. Um, and it also gives us a way to be able to break up Disney into some smaller chunks because it's, it's that would be a massive yeah. undertaking. Um, and we don't want to do that in like one fell swoop. It's too much. We don't have the time. You know, make it work for us. Yeah. Make it work, designers. Make it work, designers. TV's Tim Gunn would say. So once again, I have had some tor- poor time management. Mm-hmm. We decided on this topic maybe three weeks ago. I think so. So we've, I've had 20, I've had anywhere from like 14 to 21 days to watch four movies, which, you know, I was like, oh, I got this. I did not have this. Um, <laughs> I, I've been busy, but that was not like a good excuse because I definitely had time. I could have watched it. I got to, today is Sunday. I got to Thursday and I was like, oh, I have to watch four movies. So I watched Half of Dumbo, the animated, mm-hmm. I fell asleep, <laughs> and then I woke up and watched the other half. Um, I have watched the other three out of four movies starting since last night at about 10 p.m. Uh, okay. I finished the last movie around 5 a.m. Okay. Got a good four hours of sleep. All right. Uh, woke up to record this, and then I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want me to give you my timeline? It's uh, not exactly that, but of a similar vein. So I, too, procrastinated watching these movies because I was like, oh, you know, all good. Friday. On Friday, I watched both animated Cinderella and live action Cinderella. I just did them back to back because I figured it'd be better just to compare them. You know, one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. I took a little break between them. Got that done. Yesterday, I was busy like all day. I went thrifting and got breakfast. Um, Would highly recommend... Besides the point, though, that was just my public service announcement about uh, thrifting and, you know, recycling clothing. I then had a break. I watched the animated Dumbo in that gap, and then I went to this game night, and I was like, cool, well, it's starting at, like, five-ish, so I'll probably be home, you know, in a few hours, and then I can watch live-action Dumbo before I go to bed. (laughs) What happened is I didn't leave until midnight. So I got home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down in bed. I'm going to like get ready for bed, take my contacts out, watch Dumbo. I took my contacts out, got in bed and I just passed out. I passed out, Hannah. I didn't even plug my phone in, didn't charge. I kept waking up in the middle of the night. I, my neck was turned because I was facing like a weird way. I magically, because I wake, I wake up early normally. I woke up at 740. So I woke up and I watched live action Dumbo right before this. So I finished it maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, but I got it done. Uh, It's watched. I watched all of them. I maybe like skipped a little bit here and there just to kind of speed it along Um, because, you know, it's like an hour and 40 minute movie. You didn't miss much. (laughs) Kind of what the impression that I got was. Um, Yeah. And then so we're here. So we, we watched all four. 
and we're just gonna so we'll just go in the order of we'll do an animated movie and then it's live action counterpart and we'll do the next set after and then we'll do our ranking last clearly i think we should start with dumbo since that was the earlier i think earlier yes so um hannah and i just so people don't get confused normally we do a background and the summary for the movies we're doing however hannah has done the background for all of dumbo i've done the background for all of cinderella but we have split up the summary so i've done one of the dumbo one of the cinderella just just so you don't get confused because it's a little bit of a different system and we'll probably change that when we do the next set yeah so dumbo the animated movie uh was released in 1941 it was rated g and it run had a runtime of an hour and three minutes had a 7.3 out of 10 on imdb a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes and a 96 percent on metacritic the box office was about 1.3 million, which in 2020 is equivalent to about $28 million. So it was the fourth Disney animated feature film that was released. Um, this film was actually made specifically to make up for the financial losses of both Pinocchio and Fantasia. There was a quote I read about Dumbo uh, that it was a deliberate pursuit of simplicity and economy for Disney Studios. So at a 64-minute runtime, it is one of Disney's shortest animated features. And it was met with generally favorable reviews from critics. Um, and it's since considered to be among one of the greatest animated films of all time. So in 2017, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being... Uh, quote, culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So the voice actors for Dumbo are actually uncredited for their roles in the film. As was common at the time. So it's Dumbo's based on a children's story that was written by Helen Aberson Mayer and Harold Pearl. Um, I mentioned the runtime being short. It was originally intended to be a short film. And that was changed I mean, t- still technically kind of like a shorter film, yeah. but it but was changed. Full le- yeah, full length. Right. Yeah. The foreign markets in Europe were impacted a lot due to World War II. And that is kind of the reasoning behind Pinocchio and Fantasia having poor box office numbers. And because of that, Dumbo was intended to be a low budget feature, but it was designed to bring in revenue for the studios. So they use a lot of watercolor paint um, to render the backgrounds, and it's one of the, one of a few Disney features to use that technique. Um, others being Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and also more recently Lilo and Stitch use some watercolor as well. The movie did win an Academy Award for Best Original Score, and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song for Baby Mine. There was also a proposed sequel for Dumbo. It was canceled. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it was mm. supposed to go into more of the backstory about Dumbo's father, wherever he may I be. I mean, the Stork brought Dumbo. Yeah. Mr. Stork. Mr. Stork. Okay. And now I will get into some controversy because yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some controversy. So Dumbo has been criticized for some of its handling of race. All of the circus laborers are African-American portrayals. There is also a group of crows in the film that were described by many as African-American stereotypes. 
I don't know if you have this in your notes, but the one head crow, they referred to him as Jim Crow. Yeah, Yeah. he was, the lead crow was named Jim Crow. In, I guess, 1950, they renamed him to Dandy Crow to avoid any sort of issues. So, yeah. But there's also sort of been kind of this weird back and forth, like, there's people who have defended the crows, basically saying that, um, like, there's very few characters that are sympathetic towards Dumbo, and the crows are sort of these, like, intelligent, like, happy, free-spirited characters that are uh, actually, like, supporting Dumbo and mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. So, this movie, when you watch it on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. there's a like a pretty big warning on the screen like at least when i watched it 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 was like a 10 second or 11 second thing it basically kind of explains that like let me see because i did take a screenshot contains outdated cultural depictions that includes negative depictions or mistreatment of people or cultures um that the stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now but rather than remove content we want to acknowledge its harmful impact learn from it and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together yeah which i mean i think is the right way to handle that because if you censor it then it's like you're censoring history and that's that's what happened we shouldn't be censoring things that actually happened and occurred because then you can't learn from it the, also, the fact that the crows are voiced by white voice artists and, like, were they're, they were written by white uh, writers, so it's, like, there's, like, that controversy with it. So that that is the controversy, and Alyssa has written a summary. I have. For some reason, Hannah decided this was her favorite movie. Dumbo is the story of a young, bullied, abused elephant. His only friend is a mouse. He's disowned by his own kind for his enormous ears. And in the end, he learns to fly. The plot is kind of non-existent. But to address the elephant in the room, the racism is not. I, as a child, for there was a period of time where Dumbo was my favorite movie. Yeah, you loved Dumbo. I was obsessed with it. I have not watched Dumbo fully through in probably 10 plus years, Mm. maybe more. I was watching it and I'm like, why was this my favorite movie? It's depressing. You like elephants, I guess? Yeah, but it's depressing. There's a lot of animal abuse. God. Dumbo is boring. (laughs) Yeah, it is boring. I... I will say, like, one of the pluses, I did really like the animation. Animation was very nice, especially, like, the pink elephants, like, the the animators definitely on acid or some drugs. Very visual, visually appealing. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that Dumbo, like, a baby elephant gets drunk. Yeah. And <laughs> they go into, like, a drug trip scene, basically, is amazing. I was like, what, <laughs> what is happening? This movie, it might be hard to watch because it's like there's like controversy over like like racist depictions i mean to be fair very very true to the time period rampant 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 rampart 
rampant animal abuse in circuses and you know uh, captive animals like very 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 common very truthful to how things were at the time period so like that's not inaccurate it's still hard to watch though I liked the part where the the clowns were like, "Yeah, let's let's uh let's have him jump from a thousand feet because elephants are made of rubber." And I was like, "What the what?" It's like, what is happening? Yeah, I mean, I think to me the part I enjoyed about the movie was like Dumbo and his mom's relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of like really tragic because he's essentially like a baby gets separated from his mom, who's declared like insane. It's locked up in a cage. And he's essentially, like, just made fun of by every single person, minus a mouse. Yeah. Um, And some crows. And some crows. The ending feels really quick. Like, I was like, I have two minutes left and we're not really fully wrapped up. It feels kind of rushed. You kind of said it, the plot's not, there's not really much of a plot. Yeah. I think the way it, in which it does work is because of the simplicity you have a main character who doesn't talk, which generally doesn't happen, especially in, like, Disney movies. Like, your main character is, like, you know, because they make animals anthropomorphic, like, they talk. Bambi, you know, every animal talks in Bambi. You've got this elephant who, like, is not speaking. And, like, this mouse acts as, like, his his voice, kind of. Um, and so that's really, that was really interesting to me and something I was like, I don't, you don't really see that. Certainly there's like Fantasia and, you know, those ones where it's more about the animation and the, like, the storytelling through art, but those aren't really like a full plot story. I think the reason it works is because of like Dumbo's facial expression and like, you can feel his emotion without him having to say a word. I think that's why it works. But that is interesting. Like, you, I didn't really think about the fact that pretty much every Disney main character is always the one speaking the most. And then you have a character who's not speaking. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty, I guess, just an okay movie. Like, I didn't, I felt a little bit of emotion because I was like, there's parts yeah. that were pretty sad. I, I teared up a little bit with the, yeah. the, when him and his mom are hanging out and she's in chains and, you know. Yeah. That was a little sad. It leaves a lot to be desired. But I think I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's a nice... The simplicity of it is maybe... Maybe it's best quality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the animation's great, as as it was from that time period. Right. Um, yeah. Really great stuff. Uh, do you have any more thoughts before we... Not really. That's pretty much all I, I wanted to talk about. Um, okay. So we're doing our, our normal, like, favorite character line scene, if you had any. And then for Disney, we're going to do favorite song, if it applies, which most movies it will apply. It will apply, yeah. When we get to the live action, we're going to add in which movie you prefer. And we're also going to add in, like, your favorite adaptation in the live action. So, but that'll be specific to the live action. So for the, specifically for animated Dumbo, I liked Dumbo the most. Me too. Favorite character. Mm-hmm. I uh, felt the most sympathy and had the most uh, development, I guess. Right. And like, I like you said, like his facial expressions are what like led his character and I thought made him, yeah, very sympathetic and very easy to want to root for. Yeah. Fa- I did have a favorite line. It was one of the female elephants. Mm-hmm. And she was like, out of my way, assassin. <laughs> yes. Um, I, one of the crows referred to, um, Dumbo and he was like, he's social, socially, he's washed up. And I was like, oh my God. 
Love it. I think favorite scene, I didn't necessarily have like one, but like any scene where Dumbo and his mom were interacting. Yeah. Um, I love the scenes where he was like grabbing her tail. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those were cute. That was really cute. But that was like, I guess my favorite, I guess scenes. I had favorite yeah. scenes. Um, scene, I put the like the trippy pink elephant animated sequence because just on an animation standpoint, it's very, very almost disturbing in a way, which, like, I don't know, Disney more modernized doesn't really take risks like that anymore. And I I thought it was very interesting and, like, worked in the context of this movie. So I put that. Yeah. I think the best song... <laughs> I think it's When I See an Elephant Fly mm-hmm. by the Crows. Yeah. Not sure how I feel that that's my favorite song, but I think it's, like... I mean, there's no, like, lyrics in there that are inherently racist no. or anything. and I think yeah. that it's, like... Because to me, a lot of the music from Dumbo is, like, pretty, like, slow, pretty, like... Yeah. You know, kind of boring to me, but this song's, like, a bit more upbeat, and, like, I just think it, it sounds the best to me. Yeah, I, um, I picked Baby Mine solely because I really like that scene when she's, like, rocking Dumbo in her trunk. Uh, it made me tear up a little bit, uh, so I picked that one, because I thought it, you know, like, if I think of Dumbo songs, that one does, like, come to me. Like, I didn't even remember this, like, Stork song, or the, like, Train song, or the work song, which I'm glad I didn't remember that because I was like listening to it and I was like, don't remember these lyrics. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Like the, the music of Dumbo doesn't necessarily stand out against. Like when I think of great Disney songs, it, Dumbo's never going to come no, to my mind. I would agree. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, so now we're going to move into the live action Dumbo, which is also my background. Yes. So this movie came out in 2019, uh, it was rated PG, and was an hour and 52 minutes, had a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% on Metacritic, and $353 million in the box office. Um, so this movie was directed by Tim Burton, who's known for numerous movies, Beetlejuice. uh, The Batman with Michael Keaton, which surprised Michael Keaton's in this movie. Michael Keaton's in the movie. And Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito. Um, So it's a live action adaptation and reimagining of the 1941 animated movie Dumbo. Plans for this movie were announced in 2014. Tim Burton was confirmed as the director in 2015. And then filming took place in 2017. So this movie received mixed reviews from critics. It was praised a lot for its ambition, but criticized for lack of emotional depth. The film features sort of a different storyline than the original film. And it was sort of described as like, they wanted to do something different. And you know, Tim Burton's like very like out there, like very creative. Um, But the one thing they wanted to hold true was the message of believing in yourself and and finding something that allows you to become, like, the best version of yourself. And so they tried to keep, like, that central theme in there while going a different route. Also, another thing about this movie is that it doesn't feature any sort of talking animals. It's instead kind of puts the focus onto human characters, which in the animated human characters had very little role in the movie. (laughs) 
this is this is kind of like now that I'm talking about this, I just realized what happened at the Oscars. Um, so a little bit of a casting thing. Oh, okay. So in 2017, it was announced that Will Smith was in talks to play the father of the children. Who, okay, yeah. I can't even remember the name. I couldn't um, tell you. Did not anyways, even on my radar. Colin Farrell's character. Yes, the man who loses his arm in the war. Yes, yes. So he was originally in talks to be the father. And uh, he ended up passing on that role because of conflicts with his great movie, Bad Boys for Life. Um, and then he ended up being cast as the genie in live-action Aladdin. So other people considered for the role were Bill Hader, Chris Pine, and Casey Affleck. Okay. That's a that's a collection. <laughs> yeah. Colin Farrell was ultimately cast, and he was a big fan of um, Tim Burton's work. He said most of the reason why he wanted to join, but also because he wanted to do something that was like more of like a sweet, like fantasy sort of film. And then he brought uh, Danny DeVito and um, Eva Green. Yeah, that sounds right. Eva. Um, yeah, so they're both frequent collaborators with Tim Burton, yeah. as well as, obviously, Michael Keaton. Right. It's interesting, the woman who plays uh, Colette, who's mm-hmm. the aerialist, yes. uh, she actually has a really big fear of heights. Oh, okay. So they had to uh, bring in, like, a lot of people to help her train and, like, get her comfortable with, like, being up in the air and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In terms of the filming of this movie... They used, like, elephant props okay. to, during the filming, to kind of give the production team, like, an idea of the size and, like, the shape of the scenes. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, the animals themselves are, like... CGI. CGI'd, yeah. like, it's hard to do live-action animal yeah. movies. But, so they used, like, these stand-in props to give them kind of an idea of, like, what the size and scope would be. Um, and Disney ended up spending about 120 to $140 million to market this film worldwide, actually. In terms of, there's a little bit of a box office thing, because it was $353 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. But it was estimated that the film would have had to have grossed more than $500 million worldwide in order to break even. Oh, okay. With how much money yeah. they put into Especially it. Especially into the marketing, like. Right. Yeah. Basically, it was reported that the movie ultimately did lose money. So, kind of a last thing, in terms of more, like, critical response, like I mentioned, a lot of people, they like the ambition of the movie. praised Tim Burton's, like, visual and, like, his imagination, his Mm -hmm. creativity on the movie, but they sort of talked about how, like, the story and the plot was, like, overstretched and that it kind of, in a way, almost takes away from the original emotional and, like, simplistic of the animated Dumbo movie. Yeah. I have the, uh, summary. All right. Tim Burton and Beetlejuice have teamed up once again in this live-action version of the 1941 Dumbo. It's The Greatest Showman meets Willy Wonka when Michael Keaton comes to the circus to save Frank and the crew. Things are not as they seem when Shocker, the white man with money, ends up being evil. Let's not forget about Dumbo, who, with the help of his new friends, learns to snort feathers in an attempt to learn to fly. Okay, 
I I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. A, like, a lot of thoughts. I guess the first thing I want to touch on is that do we think Tim Burton was limited in what he could do in this movie? Because it's Disney. I think so. Because I was surprised at how not good the, like, the pink elephant homage was. They just kind of made them into bubbles. And I was like, you have Tim Burton. There's a lot you could have done with that scene. Yeah, I I think... I don't know, because I kind of felt the same way. Yeah. At times I forgot I was watching a Tim Burton film. Yeah. Because it there was parts that reminded me, definitely reminded me of Tim Burton stuff, and then there was parts where I was like, I don't, this feels more like Disney had control over this part. I don't know, it's hard with, with Disney because I don't know how much creative control people get when they come in and do movies with them. Um, so, okay, so going off of that... <laughs> Part of the reason why I don't necessarily like live action adaptations, for the most part, there's there are a few I think that do work really well, but Disney likes to be like meta. They like to like make fun of themselves, but only in ways that they want to be made fun of. So for instance, you've got like the scene where they're like champagne for Dumbo and he's like, no booze for the baby. So they're like, let's not make a baby drunk. Ha ha ha. And they, like, correct mistakes of the original, but only in form of animal cruelty. Essentially, what they've done is they have just erased anything wrong in terms of, like, a racist component. Like, the crows, they're gone. They just don't exist. Um, There is no sense of racism at all. This is, again, 1919 in the South. There's, you know, there's a bunch of people of all different races all in the circus. And it's like, wow, we're one big family. No issues here. And it feels kind of disingenuous to have this movie that has this, like, has issues. And Disney has addressed this. They have a, a, like, a warning at the beginning of Dumbo saying, here's things that are wrong. Instead of addressing them in this movie, they just completely take away everything that was a problem and only address things that they want to. And in this sense, they really push on the animal cruelty and only the animal cruelty. And even then, they give us a a date. This movie takes place in 1919. And as I said, animal cruelty in circuses and in general was very common and happened. And I think if you're setting up this time period, you should be you don't need to, like, sugarcoat and pretend that, like, at the very end of the movie, they're like, we've gone, anim- like, animals don't belong in cages. And we're gonna send the captive elephants back to the wild? These elephants have never lived in the wild before. Like, you're sending animals that have lived in captivity to the wild where, in real life, they would not survive because they have not been adapted. Like, they can't adapt to that way of life. Like, Dumbo's not gonna magically be able to be fine. That's not realistic. I don't have a problem with them adapting the story and changing it in a new way, but it just doesn't feel good. And I didn't like that. Part of the problem with doing a live action in with this movie yeah. is that I sort of felt like the beauty of Dumbo, the animated, was that it was about the animals and the humans were relatively insignificant. Whereas this movie, the animals become basically insignificant and the humans have all the the plot. Yeah, Dumbo is not the main character. 
in this no. movie. And that's sort of a shame to me. If you're going to name the movie Dumbo, make him the main character. Yeah. It's hard because I didn't feel the emotion the same way because I think because of the live action, you couldn't do the expression the way they could do it with animated. And I think they tried to do this, like, bringing these kids who had lost their mother to parallel how Dumbo had lost his mother, was not with his mother. And I understood what they were trying to do with that parallel. I just didn't really think it worked. Yeah. I think the plot in the middle beginning was pretty boring, honestly. The ending doesn't really feel that high stakes because let's, to be quite frank, the villains are not... They're like, they feel like kid movie villains where it's like... Yeah, because I feel like Michael Keaton's supposed to be like Walt Disney. And it's supposed to be like um, like Barnum Bailey, like PT, these like circus, like real life people. Because they had like, what was it? Uh, Dreamland? Dreamland, Which is yeah. like uh, Frontierland, Tomorrowland. Like it's kind of like a play on like, oh, the, the big corporate, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to suck up the circus. Yeah, the villains didn't work for me, and the plot didn't really work for me. I also didn't really like, there's this, uh, well, she isn't on YouTube anymore, but Lindsay Ellis is does a lot of, like, um, critical analysis of, like, movies and media and things, and so she has a video, and I, I went back and looked at it, it's called Woke Disney, where they, like, she addresses some of the things specifically in Dumbo, but other live-action remakes as well, where it's, like, how does Disney approach criticizing themselves? Like, and how do they do that in a way that they think audiences will want it? And a lot of the ways they do that is by, like, making young women, like, woke. There's nothing, I mean, I'm in STEM. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to be a scientist and inquisitive and intuitive and stuff. But they make that her character and not have that have any relevance to the plot. She's like, it's for experiments. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to be a scientist. And I'm like, cool, great. But then, like, that doesn't have any relevant to the story. And I'm like, if you're going to, like, push this, like, perception, like, it should have some relevance. And it's it feels, again, feels disingenuous. Like, they're just adding it to add it. So they're like, look yeah. at us. We're woke, you know. We, we like women. <laughs> it feels like the scene in Marvel where they have all the women yeah. together at the end. Yeah, because, like, her, the daughter... Being interested in science, like you said, it literally had no, there was no impact to that in the in the plot, minus right. at the end of the movie, having her, like, show a film of Dumbo, Dumbo yeah. flying. The problem was a lot of the human characters didn't work for me. No. And the animal characters had no significance. So in that sense, I really didn't have many characters that I felt any sort of connection to. Yeah. I guess I, that's pretty much all I really have to say. Yeah, I was gonna say, I just think there's a lot of things that don't work when you put them all together. I think that made me not enjoy the movie very much. It's almost like this should have just been a different story, but not about Dumbo. Like, it probably would have worked. Like you said, it's kind of like a mix of... It's a weird mix of, like, The Greatest Showman and, like... Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka and a bunch of stuff like that. I think that it doesn't necessarily work as an adaptation of Dumbo. Yeah, I would agree. I think if he had made Tim Burton and made this movie and got to do his own thing and didn't have to follow yeah. Dumbo like plot, I think he could have made something better. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, I, one of the upcoming live action movies is um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I mm-hmm. am very, very concerned that that movie will not be told well. 
because yeah. it's Disney. And like yes. they and like that animated movie is pretty dark for the most part. Like comparatively to other ones in the time period. Like they could do it really really well. It could be a really good live action movie, but I also have fears and doubts. Right. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um I think my favorite character was probably Colette. Yeah. I so I liked just because it's Danny DeVito. Um, I like Danny DeVito's character. He was like you know interesting and sympathetic. But I also did really like Colette as well. I think it was kind of both yeah. of those collectively. I don't know that I had a favorite line. Actually. I didn't have a favorite line. I will go with favorite scene. Like I guess anytime you got to see Dumbo's point of view. Yeah. Like there were these parts in the movie that I actually liked where it showed like him looking and him kind of seeing everything. And I thought that was interesting because you couldn't, you didn't see that with the animated. Like, you didn't get to see that point of view, really, Yeah, that much. And so I kind of liked being able to see that. Yeah. Um, I liked um, a lot of the scenes, like, with Dumbo flying, I thought were pretty well done. Like, I liked the way that they had had that like him like kind of learning to fly and the, I thought the score really uh complemented those scenes well yeah yeah favorite song in this movie I went with baby mine I did too yeah I thought the scene was like sweet yeah to see we'll do adaptation first best scene adaptation okay so this is this is what I was kind of going towards so the, one of my favorite parts from the animated was the scenes with Dumbo holding his mom's tail yeah and we didn't really get to see that. And I was, like, super disappointed. And then at the end, like, right at the end, there's a part where they go to the new circus. Mm-hmm. And at the top of, like, the like the compass direction thing, yeah. there's, like, a metal piece of, like, Dumbo holding his mom's oh, tail. I didn't see that. I know. Yeah. I, like, missed it. And then I thought I saw it. And I went back. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really cute nod to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was, like, my favorite scene. So I love that I got to see that, even though it wasn't maybe the way I wanted to see it. Um, well, I wanted it to be the pink elephants, but it couldn't. So I liked their recreation of, like, the first, like, fire scene. You know, when the clown's like, there's a fire. Dumbo's got to put out the fire. Um, I liked the way they changed it. I thought it worked better. And I just was like, yeah, this is pretty much exactly what happened, but in a live action way, in a way that makes sense. And I was like, yeah, you know, I actually, I really liked that. You have this, like, scene where he falls into a pit of, like, cream paste through a, like, a trampoline that's, like, a paper trampoline. But then they're like, hey, we're gonna lift him and he's gonna put out the fire with his trunk instead of him being up there already. And then, like, then he, you know, flies to safety. I thought that worked. And, like, that's what I would want to see from these live action is them converting the source material into something that makes sense in a live action format. Right. Yeah. I think in terms of which movie is better, I have to go with the animated movie. I do as well. I think the animated movie is more simplistic, and I think that's what that story needed. Yeah. I give the the live action movie props for for being creative and being imaginative and like trying, but I just think that it it fell short of what I think the movie was trying to accomplish. And obviously like the box office numbers kind of speak for themselves sometimes too. Yeah, I I agree. I think although the animated movie does have some um, issues, I think if you look at it in the lens and when it was created, um, you know, as you're able to recognize that these are things that happened at that time period and they're wrong and, you know, they're wrong at the time, they're wrong now. 
I still think it works better. I think the simplicity, like you said, I think that really shines through. The animation is, you know, gorgeous. I think that the live action adaptation just doesn't work as a Dumbo movie. I think it yeah. it kind of works as a movie. Like the plot's all there and it's, you know, it's fine. There's nothing like wrong with it. I just don't think it, it works well. I don't think it just is. It's not super strong. It just kind of is okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's do Cinderella. Let's do Cinderella. All right. So I've got the background on Cinderella. Disney's uh, version of Cinderella was released in 1950. It has a runtime of an hour and 18 minutes and is rated G. So um, the story of Cinderella, this version, is based on the fairy tale by Charles Perrault, um, which was written in 1697. So this is the most well-known version of the Cinderella story. However, this story actually originates like way, way, way long ago. Like it's one of the oldest stories told. It was first told orally in Egypt and it was written down version in Italy. All periods of time, like the Brothers Grimm made an adaptation from the Charles Perrault version of the story. It's like one of the most well-known fables, I guess is maybe the right word, of all time. Like Dumbo, Cinderella was made after a large batch of box office bombs, in, specifically in Europe following World War II, as you mentioned. But that would kind of continue on, I think, like Sleeping Beauty, actually maybe Sleeping Beauty's after. But a couple of the other movies, I think Bambi came out in the 1940s, like a few of those movies also didn't do super well. Um, they were $4 million in debt. So they kind of wanted to go back to like their roots, uh, Snow White. And that worked because Cinderella was the most commercial and critical hit since Snow White had released in 1937. So the movie had three Academy Award nominations for Best Sound, Best Music, for both the score and the song Bippity Boppity Boo. This movie actually launched the, the start of the Walt Disney Music Company which is the company that produces their music and their soundtracks. It also was the first movie to use multi-track vocals. So during the song when she's cleaning, which is, um, oh, uh, Sweet Nightingale, Sweet Nightingale. Sorry, I got there. Anyway, so so they had a multi-track for her um, song. You know, I think there's three three tracks at the same time. That was the first movie to do that. So this is the first movie that they released a multi-disc album for. It sold over 750,000 copies and was number one on the Billboard charts. Mom actually has this still downstairs. It's with our album collection. I'm sure we can post a picture of it. They also released a CD soundtrack of, the, of it in 1997, which also did really, really good numbers. And we also, I don't know if we still have it, but we did have the CD version of Cinderella. So you're welcome, Disney. Supporting you throughout 50 years plus. You're welcome. So in this version though, one of the main criticisms is the characterization of Cinderella. Um, A lot of people didn't like the way that she was portrayed in this movie. Uh, A lot of things that were heavily praised were the animation, um, the storytelling were really well done. So it has um, a 97% in Rotten Tomatoes. In the box office at the time, it made $4.28 million. It was the fifth highest grossing North American film of 1950. But however, in France, Cinderella is the 16th biggest film of all time. 
It sold 13.2 million copies. I think that probably has to do with the fact that the, the most well-known story or originated in France. I'm sure that has something to do with it. So it's probably uh, more popular in France, the story itself, than, you know, in the United States. It helped to reestablish the company and fund them to allow Walt Disney to create his theme parks, a bunch more movies, like this movie made bank. The lifetime gross of this movie is $93 million domestically, a lifetime, but it made $185 million worldwide, adjusted for inflation that is $565 million over its lifetime, which a lot of money. So it was the best-selling VHS of all time until E.T. came out. This movie led to two direct-to-DVD sequels. We're not going to cover those because we don't give a shit. So yeah, so Cinderella is... Commonly, the actual, just the story, not this movie, is commonly referred to as one of the most recognizable tales of all time. This movie, though, however, is routinely listed as one of the best animated movies of all time as well. Yeah, so like Dumbo, Cinderella was inducted into the Library of Congress for being, like, historically um, important. Uh, Whatever Hannah said earlier, just just copy that again. Culturally important significant or something um but yeah so that is my background so hannah has prepared a summary for us for this movie so this is love unless you're cinderella and your grand prize for the prince's foot fetish is your hand in marriage after cinderella's parents die she is forced to become a servant for her stepmother and stepsisters this all changes the night she goes to a ball and waltzes with prince charming unfortunately he's not chad michael murray but rather is the world's most boring man who does the bare minimum and still gets the girl. Let's not forget about the Tom and Jerry subplot that leaves much to be desired. I forgot the prince does not make an appearance into this movie until about 50 minutes in. Like, that is, like, two-thirds into the movie. We're more than halfway through. We haven't even gone to the ball yet. Yeah. Here's, Here's what I'll say. I think Cinderella as the story, like, it stands the test of time. It is a a well-done fairy tale. The animation is gorgeous. Is it one of my favorite Disney movies? No. I don't, like, I don't, I haven't watched Cinderella in maybe 10, 15 years, but I can recognize that it is well done. Does it have problems? Yeah. The prince is, yeah, like you said, very boring. He doesn't even have a name. He just exists. And that's a bit weird. There also is a heavy emphasis on the animals, um, which to some people might be annoying. A lot of high-pitched squeaking going on. I think those segments can work. Gus, I mean, Gus is a cute little fat mouse. What's not to love? I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a note about the, the mice. I said, why do the mice talk like Charlie writes and it's always sunny in Philadelphia? It, it is a lot like that, yes. I mean, I, I understand why it's a very popular story. Like, it's the girl down on her luck. She's, you know, working for a shitty family and gets to follow her dreams to become a princess. And, it, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I know some people can criticize Cinderella, like, you know, damsel in distress and, like, chirp. I wrote a note eight minutes in. I hate this movie. I... It's so boring. I'm sorry. It's so boring. I was yeah. I was so incredibly bored. I was like spacing out. Like I, the first 
okay, it picks up a little bit of the second half, but the mm-hmm. first half, I was like, I can't... <sighs> I agree with what they said about how Cinderella was characterized. Yeah. In the animated. In the animated movie. I think, to me, the, the subplot didn't really work with the the animals. The prince literally, he doesn't even go to try and find her. He just sits in the castle and was like, find me the girl with the slipper. Yeah, he's royalty, Hannah. He doesn't got time for that shit. I don't give a shit. The man, <laughs> the man did not speak. <laughs> he also was wearing <laughs> yellow. No, no, no. Well, okay, wearing- cream. But in in that movie, it looks yellow. Like they can—that's white. Okay, they can say it's cream, but in my That's on my white. laptop, what I was watching was yellow. And you know who agrees with me? All the people who voted yes on Instagram. Anyways, I not me. I mean, so it's it's fine. I think here's the thing. I think in terms of like the fairy tale genre. Like, I understand why it's popular. Like, visually, it was very appealing. I really liked the watercolor work, like, at the beginning and the end of the movie. The, a lot of the animation was super, super gorgeous. The sequences with water were all really, really well done. Do I think the Tom and Dar- Jerry aspect, like, holds up to modern times? Maybe not. I don't have an issue with the animated aspect, because the animated aspect is what saves the movie for me. I have an issue with the plot, I just think, don't, I don't think the plot works, and I hate that the prince and Cinderella, like, there's no, to me, there's, like, no connection there. Like, I was watching the waltz scene in the ball, and I was like, I wish I could be watching the waltz scene from Enchanted with Patrick yeah. goddamn Dempsey uh, and Amy uh, Adams, na, na, because na, that, na, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh. because like that's the emotion that I wanted and I know it's animated but you can do emotion in animated we've seen it done and I don't know like I had a problem with some of the lines like there was a line where it's like whoever's whoever the slipper belongs to the prince will beg request or something for her hand in marriage yeah. and I was like I guess it's from the 1950s so that's yeah. just another time period yeah but I don't know I just like t- to me this movie there's nothing to me that I liked about this animated movie. Minus the animation. Um, yeah. I just I just didn't care for it. I mean, yeah, that's fine. But I can understand the importance of it. I mean, like, literally, the Cinderella castle is iconic. Cinderella as a character is an iconic-looking character. Like, the fairy godmother, like, the dress transformation, the pumpkin to a carrot. Like, all these things are things... That's what they say. Like, it's one of the most recognizable, like, ta- like tales of all time. It's just everybody knows this story. And it has to mean something. The impact, too, that it had on future, like, movies. Like, Cinderella's story. There's, like, a million different adaptations of Cinderella. We got the version with Brandy. And I think that it's a great version. Highly recommend. So I can I can recognize its importance in Disney in how much it did for the company. Yeah, but yeah. Um, can we also bring up my one of my favorite lines is they're uh, making the dress for Cinderella because she's too busy doing chores, and the guy uh, Jacques, who is the mouse in the red suit, he's like, um, "I can help with the sewing," and this mouse goes, "Leave it to the women," and I was like, "It's 1950." It's 1950, but I was like, so it's a different time. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think I'm able to look at it for the story it is when it came out. Um, and while I don't think it's the most entertaining, the music is really great. Like, it is. the music is really, really well done. The animation is really well done. It's like, it's, it is an iconic movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it is. I, I won't disagree with that. Yeah. It's not, it's not a favorite, though. No. Yeah. Favorite character. I had to go Cinderella. Yeah. Because in this movie, quite frankly, there's not many people to pick between. Right. Uh, I liked, of the animals, I liked Jacques. I thought yeah. he was, you know, he's a brave little mouse. He's like uh, Despero. Yeah. Yeah. We love, we love a good mouse. Yeah. Um, I went, favorite song I went with uh, Bippity Boppity Boo, just for the effort Fairy Godmother puts into that song. She, she puts a lot of effort. They like, um, I didn't write this down because I just had already had so much background written down, but they like hired out extert like outside of disney to get um songwriters to write this song they had heard Mm -hmm. a a song that they had liked that kind of sounded like this and they were like this is the sound we want for this song so they like brought in outside songwriters for this specifically that song um so i had a tie best song i i went with (laughs) i was telling hannah about this i went with bippity boppity boo because i think it is a really iconic song but i also think a dream is a wish your heart makes is a a really really like, I think it's one of the songs people think of when you think of Disney songs. Mm-hmm. However, I cannot take it seriously because I can only hear the Disney Channel version where all the Disney Channel stars sang this. And, like, that's all I can picture in my head is, like, the, the Sprouse twins, like, reading a line because they can't sing. And then just, like, Raven building out, a dream is a wish your heart makes. And it's, like, all sped up. And so, anyway, that's all I can think about, though. But I thought both those songs were really good. Really great songs from the movie. Yeah. And they're both songs that are, like, still nowadays, like, popular. Yeah. Like, like, when you look at, like, Disney song collections, those are always in there. Right. I did have a favorite line. It was the fairy godmother. Okay. She said, good heavens, child, you can't go out in that. And I was like, <laughs> I love the fairy godmother. I really liked, um, I can't remember which stepsister it was, but they were like, uh, the prince is looking for an eligible bachelor or bachelorette to um, become his bride. And I don't remember what the one line the other one said first, but then the other one goes, and I'm so eligible. It's <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God. I'm like, that's funny. Uh, do, you have, I... do you have a favorite scene? I was trying to think about that. I guess, I guess the scene where the fairy godmother is turning mm-hmm. like the pumpkin into a carriage and all that. Like I, I I've always liked that scene, yeah. but I don't have like necessarily a scene to me that's like a big standout scene. The part where it's like the song "So This Is Love" is playing, and they're kind of like moving through this night garden, and there's a lot of really, really well done water animation, and I just like really liked the animation specifically of that scene. So that's why I picked that. Yeah. All right. All right. Ready? Last movie. All right. So now we move to live action Cinderella. So this version was released in 2015. Um, it's an hour and 46 minutes. This version was directed by Kenneth Bragg- Bragna. Bragna. I can never remember how to pronounce his last name. I'm so sorry. Um, he plays Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter. He also is a, a, directs a ton of shit. I think he did Thor, a couple Thors. So production of this movie started in 2010 after the success of the live adaptation of Alice in Wonderland, which was also done by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. So, again. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 
So originally someone named Mark Romarv was to direct, but left due to creative differences as Disney said his version was, quote, too dark. So one of the things that I think is really, really significant is how much money and work went into the costume design. Sandy Powell, who is the costume designer, is a three-time Oscar winner uh, for costume design. Um, she wanted to draw inspiration from the the animated original movie, but also um, let the costumes stand alone. They made nine different versions of her iconic ball gown dress. It was made by 18 tailors, and every dress took 500 hours to complete. They made nine versions, and only one made in the movie. The slipper, uh, glass slipper, they couldn't make it out of glass, so it was made with Swarovski. I'm probably butchering this name, and I know I know how to say it, but it's um, the crystals, like the really iconic like crystals. They worked with Disney to create these, these shoes. Eight pairs of shoes were made. Um, none of them were wearable, however. You couldn't wear these shoes. So essentially what they had to do is they had to superimpose these shoes uh, onto her post-production. So she was not actually wearing, like, the glass slippers for the filming. The um, movie made $542 million worldwide. It was the 12th highest grossing movie of 2015. Received mostly positive reviews. Had an 84% in Rotten Tomatoes, 67 out of 100 on Metacritic, and an a, a cinema score of A. It was nominated um, for Best Costume Design for an Academy Award. It did not win. Um, and just another comment I thought was important because it was listed many times on the Wikipedia is that um, this movie is routinely ranked really high on live action ranking lists of like many different sources. And I thought that was weird that they had to include that in the Wikipedia. So I thought, okay, I guess it's relevant to our interest. So here it is. Now to my, my summary. The Game of Thrones and Mamma Mia crossover you never you knew you needed, Cinderella tells the age-old tale of a young girl becoming a slave orphan under the rule of her evil stepmother and stepsisters. Kit Harrington Stark Madden gets real characterization and fencing and must find a bride. It's essentially the story you know and maybe love, except now there are lizard people. I, the first note I wrote down. It's probably, I, it's probably the same first note I wrote down too. Uh, is that I associate this movie with Maisie's death in Olive Garden. <laughs> and I have not watched it since. I haven't either. So in 2015, um, our family dog Maisie died, uh, had to be put down. She had some uh, regressive arthritis issues in her hips and essentially her legs gave out. Our lovely, wonderful super fan and guest of this podcast, Audrey, um, took Hannah and I out to a lovely meal at Olive Garden, and we then went and watched Cinderella at the theaters. So, I've not seen it since, and it has a, a sad connotation to it, so I tried my best to distance myself from that memory and view it with fresh eyes seven years later. I will say I did really love the costume design. Costume so. design was very well done yeah. uh I, that was something i noticed as well like i really yeah. really liked a lot of the costume choices made uh yeah like uh why am i blanking on her name uh, i just want to say Catherine o'hara but that's not let me let me pull what it is up. her name i don't know why i'm blanking on her name like she's an iconic actress. i meant to write her name down too because yeah, i was like, gonna she's make iconic. a comment about her yeah i was gonna make a comment about her first dress yeah. she wore 
Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. That's okay. So specifically, Kate Blanchett's outfits were like top notch. Loved yeah. it. I'm here for it. I really like the cinematography they did in this film. Yeah. I don't know if it's if it's Lily James. I really, I, love I really Lily like James. Lily, Lily James too. And I also have a crush on Richard Madden. So yes. Um, I don't know if it's just the chemistry between the two of them, but I, <laughs> I really like this movie. I do too. I think it's really well done. And I remember when we saw it, I said, like, after seeing a couple live actions, I was like, Cinderella's, like, maybe one of the best adaptations. Yeah. I, uh, I remember liking it when I saw it last, and I was like, well, I don't know, maybe if I liked it because I was, like, sad and mopey and, you know, like, vulnerable to, you know... To maybe liking it more than it, it, you know, thinking it's better than it was. But yeah, I agree. I think it did a really good job. I think what it is, is that they do a good job of keeping enough elements the same. Yeah. But unlike, I guess similar to Dumbo, they made small changes to make it appropriate for 2015. That made me like the movie a lot more. I love the fact that they have... Cinderella and Kit meet before the ball. I think just the chemistry between them is really good and I think they they make Cinderella a lot more like you feel a lot more for her in this movie and I think Lily James just does like emotional breakdown scenes really well. Um but I just think it works well. I think the humor was actually really good. Like I laughed a couple times and I wasn't expecting that. I love um why am I blanking her name? Helena Bonham Carter. Carter. As as the godmother. Um, as the fairy godmother. Yeah. I, I love her just in general, but I think her as the fairy godmother really works. Like, I just thought a lot of this, a lot of the elements in the movie really worked for me. Yeah. Um, I watched this movie with my roommate, Asbury, and all of our, like, critiques, or at least uh, most of the critiques that I had were of a more, like, not serious nature. Like, the fact that they have this giant fucking house, but they don't have more than three beds. Yeah. Because she, like, has dusts off, like, a sofa bed in the attic. And I'm like, you don't have more than two bedrooms in your house? You don't have more than three beds? Um, the fact that... My other favorite, the fact that this prince has a secret garden. And he's like, I've never shown this to anyone. You're telling me this prince is going out maintaining this fucking garden, this pristine secret garden with a swing in the middle of it? We know he swings both ways. Yes, we do. Yeah, which we love. But there's there's no way this prince has time to go. Like, there's not a caretaker. There's not a garden taker. Who's? I, I, he was like, I've never shown this to anyone. And I'm like, that's a lie. That's a lie. Also, the lizard people, we didn't need that. I did not need to see a lizard man with teeth. That was just my comment. I just, like, I was terrified. I, I didn't like it. But I, I really think, this is what I meant when I said that I don't think Dumbo fixed problems the right way. Or they, yeah. they tried to, like, brush things aside. So I think, again, one of the biggest criticisms I had from the original was that the prince is, he's just, no, he doesn't have character. He's not a person. He just is there. Whereas this one, I feel like you get background you get to meet him his interact his relationship with his father is really really well done i really liked their dynamic the fact that he like they meet before the ball i thought was a good addition because it adds a little bit more chemistry 
that they've met before this like ball where he's trying to find a bride of like a thousand women kind of deal. I also really liked <laughs> the plot twist in the end when he rips off his car- goat and he's like, or his coat and he's like, I'm here. Like I've been with you the whole time and he didn't even notice. Yeah. Because I literally wrote a note. I was about to write a note about yeah. how like, oh, Kit, again, Kit's being lazy, not yeah. even trying to find the girl. And then I was like, oh, just kidding. He's, he's there. there. He's been here the whole time. And whole I forgot time. about that. I had too. I forgot about yeah. that from the we original. We both like over the top gas. We were like, <gasps> and I was like, I forgot about this. Um, also, I love the fact that they keep referring to her as this, like, simple country girl, yet she knows how to do waltzes and, like, really elaborate dances, and, like, I'm like, okay. So, like, my criticisms are, like, silly shit, like, stupid things. Which that means that, like, when you can, when you have to pick out those things, it's like, at least your criticisms aren't, like, about the plot or, like, right. some big thing. Right. Um, I think that the waltz scene in this movie was, like, a, lo- yeah. a lot better. I did, too. I was really engaged. And I felt the chemistry. I was engaged the whole movie. Yeah. I just like the movie. I just think it's really good. I, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think it works. I think it works. I mean, there's some criticism of, like, Cinderella, like... Well, yeah. She's, she's be kind and courageous, and it's like... I was like, they kind of ham-fisted it in there a little, <laughs> yeah. little too much. Like, we understand. Like, you don't need to tell us 8,000 times. Yeah, I appreciate, though, like, them trying to give more background to characters. Like, I, it was interesting because you got a, almost, you almost got, like, more about the stepmother. Yeah, Like, right. hearing her explain to Cinderella that, like, she married for love and had kids and then her husband died. And so the second time she married for her daughters, like, you kind of get to, yeah, you kind of get to see, like, a little bit of her backstory. And you obviously get Kit with his father and Cinderella with her dad, like... I appreciate that, and I just think, to me, it's, well, we'll get into yeah. it, but. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention is, you know, the scene in the original where they, like, tear her dress to shreds? Yeah. Like, rip the shit out of her dress. And this one, they just kind of rip her sleeve a little bit, and then she, like, runs off crying, and it's like, I can't go to the ball like this, and I'm like, it's just your sleeve. I'm like, just, just sew it back on. You got time. Yeah. And then she was like, no, I just want you to fix it up. And she's like, oh, can we just make a couple changes? And then it's just a completely different dress. <laughs> I was like, all right. Also, the fact that that uh, carriage looked exactly like the Christmas ornament that we have. The golden yes. Christmas ornament. Yeah. So I appreciated that because I was like, I've seen that before. Yeah. Last note I have is, god damn, those baby blue eyes on Carrie. Oh, god. It's like, I was, I was trying to explain why I think... Uh, Richard Madden is attractive, and I'm like, I think it's the combination of his piercing eyes, his accent, he's very charismatic. Yeah. So, I think it's a combination of all these things together. Just kind of work. Yeah. God. Yeah. I was lost in those eyes a couple times. (laughs) It's like, oh. Beautiful man. Beautiful man. All right. I actually liked that this time I had a harder time picking a favorite character. Because there was, there was actually multiple strong contenders, I thought. Mm -hmm. I really liked the fairy godmother. Yeah. Um, but I ended up actually going with Kit. I did too. I picked okay. Kit as well. Yeah. It, and obviously it was like between, at the end it was between him and Cinderella. Yeah. Like it was going to be one of the two of them. But I just think like getting Kit's backstory and the fact, I think it's the fact that his character was so much improved from yes. the animated movie. Yeah. They, they did work. They put the work, they put the work in where it mattered. <laughs> They put the work in and it, like, clearly paid off. Like, I love that get you got background on his father. I love that he just, like, he didn't want Cinderella to know who he was because he didn't want her to, like, view him differently. 
And, like, he just wanted to be known as, like, this common guy. Like, I just think, I don't know. I think a lot of aspects about him just really worked for me. Yeah. I picked him for the very similar reasons. I thought giving him a background and characterization really, really worked. And I think they did a good job of, like, how to characterize him. Because, you know, he doesn't have a personality in the original. Like, I mean, of course you have the source material. But even then, I don't think he's really a big character in the story. I really liked what they did with that. I liked the his dynamic with his dad. I liked um, a lot of the choices they made for him. Um, so I thought like that and his the relationship between him and Cinderella I think works a lot better than it does in the animated. It feels a lot more genuine and there's more of a you can form more of a connection like to those characters because of that. And I also think props to like the actor and actress for just like having good chemistry too. Because that first scene they met, I was like, oh, yeah, they have a lot more chemistry. It was a a good old-fashioned it-takes-two scenario. Yes. An equestrian. Are you asking me an equestrian? An equestrian. I still love that line. I thought... Let me see, because I think I had a lot. Okay, I can do my line if you want. Yeah, if you have your line. Um, I specifically liked that the stepmom referred to Cinderella as a, quote, unaccompanied hussy. (laughs) That was mine was, too. That was mine. I was like, what the, what? And I started laughing. I was like, that's good. I like that one. That's funny. You know what? I I do have to shout out the stepmom to um, Kate Blanche's yeah. character because I actually think like she was like, had some of the best lines. She did have some really good lines. Just the way she delivered. Her yeah. comedic uh, li- like timing and all yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yes. So I really liked the, the dance at the ball. I thought it was, the choreography mm-hmm. was really well done. I thought it was really interesting. Like I was really invested and I like, I mean, I used to dance, so I like dance regardless, but I thought it was, like, a really well done, like, dance sequence. Uh, I, so my favorite scene was actually the first time that they met, uh, Cinderella and, uh, Kit. I just, like, thought that there was something really charming about that scene. It was simple. I mean, besides the fact that they were, like, on horses and stuff like that. Right. But I just liked the interaction between the two of them, and it kind of, like, that scene made me, like, oh, I'm gonna actually enjoy this movie. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it was pretty early on. Yeah. And I was, like, like invested. I think within the thirst, first, like, after 30 minutes or so. The thirst. thirst the, thirsty, the thirst is real. Thirsty, thirsty the thirst minutes. is yeah. real. The thirst is real. Um, yes. But, yeah, so I like that scene. Yeah. Um. So I thought the best song, Um. we were kind of limited on songs in this movie. They had a version of Bip Bidi Boppity Boo and I think A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes in the credits. But I don't really count those because those aren't in the movie. So I really liked the, um, I guess the best song is when she's singing in the tower when he like, you know, she gets found with the, you know, the slipper. I don't remember what the name of that song was, but it's like, yeah, Yeah. that one. Yeah. I also picked that. um, I just like Lily James singing too. Mama Mia too. Love her in that. But yeah, I picked the same one because like you said, there wasn't really many choices. Yeah. To pick from. Yeah. So in terms of best, um, like, recreation from the animated to the live action, I really liked the dress transformation sequence when she's given this dress. And also partially because I like this dress better than I like the big poofy ball gown, like, updo headband look. And I think it just made it a bit more modern and you could clearly tell how much work went into this dress. Costume designer... Uh, Sandy Powell said that they wanted to make the dress look like water ripples, like, like flowing like water, which I think they succeeded in. 
Um, it was a really well done dress. And I so I just really liked that, the transformation, like, you know, turning the things into other things, but specifically the dress bit. Yeah, I went with the um, scene with uh, the fairy godmother, I guess kind of with the dress too, but like, I guess more so getting to see like the carriage and getting to see all of that in live action was pretty cool compared to the animated and then also with the scene, the chase scene after where um, everything's starting to turn back into, like, the clock hit midnight, so everything's starting to turn back to how it was. Like, I really like those two comparison scenes. Although I cannot stand for greenhouse slander. They destroyed a perfectly acceptable, lovely greenhouse, and I will not stand for it. Yes. <laughs> I think the live action is better. I think if I am ignoring, like the cultural significance of the original Cinderella, like, if I'm looking at it in terms of pure enjoyment, I like the live action better than the animated. I would agree. I think I was more invested and more engaged in it than the original. Yeah. I think those uh, ranking lists were right when they usually have it pretty high up there. I do, too. Yeah. For each list, we're only going to have two movies. To start, yeah. And we will, so we'll add on to our list as we go. Right, it'll be like Pixar, how we add on. So for, let's do animated first. Okay. Um, you can go first. No, you go first. Okay. I don't think it's really surprising just based on the way I talked about Cinderella, but currently I have Cinderella above Dumbo. I just think if I'm looking at them collectively, there are a lot of things I like about Dumbo, but I just think Cinderella is a better done movie than Dumbo is. I also put Cinderella above Dumbo, which is kind of surprising the way I was talking about Cinderella, mm-hmm. But I took into consideration the impact Cinderella's had on Disney as a whole. Also the fact that, like, I think Dumbo's okay, it's simplistic, but it's also, like, one of those scenes where it's a little bit hard to watch. Yeah. Um, And I think Cinderella, even though I don't personally, like, think it's that great of a movie, I I think that the plot, like, I, I see why it works. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a better movie overall. Um, and I have the same for live action, although I don't think that is any way a surprise. The live action Cinderella, I think it accomplishes what Disney wants to do with this. It takes an animated property, turns into live action, improves on things that can be improved on while still sticking true to the story. Um, yeah. And I think that's what you want. Like, I don't want a shot-for-shot recreation of the movie. I don't need that. Why do I, like, what's the point of that? If, having that means that you're just doing this for money. Like, you're not taking any creative liberties to make this better, which is why I'm not excited to watch live-action Lion King. Haven't seen no. it yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be thrilled just based on what I've heard about the movie and I know about the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Cinderella, it does it does what Disney wanted to do. Um, and Dumbo just was okay. So because of that, it's going to be second. Yeah, I think, um, Cinderella definitely, like, if I look at Cinderella and Dumbo compared, I think that Cinderella, the ambition was there, but they also hit the mark on the ambition. Whereas Dumbo, the ambition was there, but they just missed the mark. So I think that's why. And I think Cinderella, like what you said, like, it definitely adds to the movie. It made me enjoy a movie that I didn't really enjoy that much. Um, it made me be like, oh, well, maybe I actually do like this when it's, like, done this way. So, yeah. 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 But, yeah, so that is our first um, edition of this, episode one. There'll be multiple parts. We're going to do this periodically, kind of um, similar to our TV pilots. We'll just kind of do it when we want to, you know. 
Uh, we've got quite a few movies to go through. So this will be an ongoing series. Um, also, more live action movies are going to be coming out. So we might visit them like this. We might wait until two are out and do like another set of four. Or we might just do the one. Um, we haven't really formulated that yet. But yeah, so you can look forward to more of these. We have social media. We have um, an email. You can let us know what you thought. Um, or if you have any suggestions, if there's a way we could do this better or you know, different. We'd love to hear it because we just kind of were like, this makes them seems the most sense. Yeah. Um, R3 podcasts at gmail.com, R3 podcasts on social media. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going green. Yeah. But in a way, we don't know yet. We haven't decided yet. We haven't <laughs> formulated this idea fully. So we'll get back we're to gonna, you. We're going to talk about it after. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Uh, Bye. Bye. <laughs> we would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.